You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity. I want to call out now to my own ancestors, those who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in my ancestral line, that I may stand here centered and clear for this conversation with you all today. And I call out to your ancestors. May they bring to you your lineage, the gifts, the love, the belonging, the connection that lies there for you, waiting for you to tap into in your ancestral line. I call out to the energy of the earth, the first ancestor, the place of home, the place of deep-rootedness and groundedness and knowing that we are home. I call out to the earth for the energy to come up here today to fill each one of us, replenish us, to support us and to give us a foundation, a, a place for the community that gathers around this call. And I call out for the energy of the sky above to come into us here today to bring us blessing and generosity and protection, to hold the space well that we might share what needs to be shared here today. And finally, I call out to the energy of the heart to be with us here today, that our heart might be open, that it might be clear and strong and full, and that our hearts um, can be the place they are designed to be, which is this place that mixes the powerful passions of our body with the clarity of our mind so that we are able to truly manifest our soul's purpose. May we all be better able to do exactly what we have come into this life to do today. So um, thank you all for being with me here today. We're going to talk about the Courageous Heart today. Um, the Courageous Heart is a four-part series um, because shamanism deals simultaneously with the four wisdoms of the human, which would be the spirit wisdom of the human, the mind, the, the mental realm wisdom of the human, which is the one we as contemporary Americans are certainly the most familiar with, um, shamanism also works equally respectful with the wisdom of the emotion, uh, emotional body of the heart, and ultimately with the wisdom of the physical body, which is perhaps the next most respected wisdom in America in that we have many, many, many kinds of body practitioners, um, body work, energy work practitioners that are available to us today. Many of us are stepping away from whatever our you know, healthcare systems are and simply paying up front for alternative care that seems to be more effective for whatever it is that we are looking for. And so these um, systems or modalities of healing are accessing the wisdom of the body and the body's innate wisdom to be in a state of health and well-being if we can simply figure out how to get out of its way and let it go there. So these are the four wisdoms of the human, the, the body and the mind and the spirit um, and the emotions. Um, so what we're doing in the next four weeks is, is speaking to these wisdoms. And today our, our topic is the love of the healer. And we're going to focus very much on the wisdom of the heart. Um, 
And I wanted to say just a little bit about the heart. As I was preparing for this show, my own helping spirit said, you know, you need to talk about this a little bit because as humans, whenever we say something like in shamanism, the power is mediated by the heart, everyone says, oh, and yeah, right. You know, there's this sense of, oh, isn't that lovely, and that's entirely impractical, and that doesn't really work anymore. And so what we really want to look at here is recognizing that the heart is certainly not by any means limited by our very human sense of romantic, familial, um, you know, bloodline love, the love we have for our parents, the love we have for our children, the love we have for our mates. These are very human manifestations of love. And this is not really what shamanism is talking about when it's talking about the power of the heart. It's an aspect of it, but it's certainly not the point. And shamanism really isn't talking about love philosophically. There's a, there's a, a bit of a remove once we start to discuss something philosophically. And the heart wisdom is all about being in it being absolutely in it and feeling all that is there to feel and, and, and being able to interpret that appropriately and move with that appropriately. And so we're also not really talking about the heart psychologically, which is in the mental realm. So it's the mental realm reflecting on the heart. And what we're trying to talk about today is the actual wisdom of the heart. What does it mean to be present in the heart and to be influenced in our decision-making by the wisdom that comes purely and uniquely from the heart. So the thing that we need to understand about the heart energetically is that the heart is the place from which human beings are actually connected to everything. We, we have other connections, but the wise connection, the, the, in other words, in the same way our mind can give us a picture of things that we can imagine, our heart is what is able to connect into the energy um, channels for, or, or um, web, for lack of a better word, that connects all things. The heart sees that picture, if you'll allow me that. The heart sees that picture. So it's from the heart that we know that everything is connected and everything does affect everything. Our mind would like to convince us something else is true because it's simpler, because it looks like that in the physical world, but the bottom line is our heart understands this deeper interconnectedness of things. Um, thus, it's the heart that understands that any misuse of power is harms us, harms everybody, even the person who's misusing the power. And so the heart um, is the place at which we um, recognize that, that the folly internal to a human that leads to a misuse of power is coming because they're afraid. Because feeling whatever they need to feel to be clear and true to what's going on in the moment is too hard. And that much of what results as a misuse of power is not so much an error in judgment of right or wrong or even a lack of connection to someone's sense of God or even some sort of dysfunction in the physical body. That primarily the root of a misuse of power comes out of Emotional cowardice, simply emotional cowardice. And so what I personally have experienced and, and witnessed within myself and others in my practice is that what shamanism powerfully brings back to us today as contemporary Americans is the, a path, a means by which we can truly re-engage the wisdom, the strength, and the power of the heart 
without um, re- reorganizing it psychologically or philosophically or spiritually or by some other realm, but to truly hunker down in the wisdom of the heart and know that it's through that intelligence that we actually connect to all things and the great web of life, and it's actually through that intelligence that we make our most powerful connection into what are really the shamanic realms. And the shamanic realms are a different um, layering of the complex energy that makes our lives than the psychic realms or the purely spirit realms. So shamanic realms are moving in a realm that is very much mediated for humans, at least, by our heart. Okay. So, So what we're looking at, so what's the point? Okay, so the point is this. You can manifest anything in your life that you want. That's how everything's organized. And there's a whole bunch of people out there and books out there and DVDs out there and everything out there that can teach you to manifest whatever you want. The question is, will you enjoy robust well-being when you have all those things you think you want? So shamanism isn't so much focused on are you able to manifest wealth and and love and happiness. Shamanism is more about are you able to understand how to live today in wealth, how to live today in the abundance of whatever it is this day is abundant in. How do you live in love? How do you live in your gifts? How do you... Live in it now, and by infusing it with your day, with your life, with your blood, sweat, and tears, it grows in your life. And so whatever those things are that you want, grown through the wisdom of the heart, not only bring us to that place of abundance, but they bring us there in a way that we will enjoy balance and well-being and a robust um dynamic between our body wisdom, our mind wisdom, our emotional wisdom, and our spiritual wisdom. And so, in essence, what we're talking about with shamanism, using shamanism as a spiritual path, Okay, so what we're really talking about then is surrendering to our own true nature so that we can connect to the powers of nature, since that's how we see the web of life around us, and to move through those channels into the shamanic channels where our helping spirits are available and we begin to get wisdom and the back-and-forth interconnected flow of energy. Um, the should be simple, right? Why aren't we doing it then? Well, one of the main reasons for us as contemporary people why this is somewhat challenging for us to really embody since it makes a whole lot of sense, why don't we just do it, is because it forces us to leave behind the main ways in which we relate to each other, which are all of the ways we relate to each other that are not through a balanced heart. But they are petty. They are blaming. There's a sense of owing, a sense of debt, a sense of I'm trying to get what I want from you because I didn't get it from my mom and dad when I was two. There's this constant sense of debt and need and in a, in a sense, this is what is keeping us from simply stepping into love, stepping into the power of the heart. And so the powers of the heart that we're going to talk about today um, go uh, in, in the work that I teach um, in the cycle of transformation 
are, are presided over, let's say, by the aspect in all of us that is the healer, the archetypal energy of the healer is presiding over the heart. And the heart powers that we access through a balanced heart is the power of love and the power of power itself, which would be love in motion. We also in the heart have the power of wisdom and vision. And so there's a dynamic relationship also between wisdom and vision. Um, The wisdom to understand which vision to manifest and then once the vision is chosen, the actual wisdom to figure out how to manifest it. And so they have a dynamic relationship as well. And so this is what we're talking about today, is the love of the healer. So I invite you all to call in, ask your questions. The number to call in is 866-472-5795 or email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org. And if you are interested in sessions and long-distance healing and divination, all of that can be access through our website, which is lastmasscenter.org. We'll be back in a moment. Thank you all for joining me today. Welcome everyone. These are words um, from Delmore Schwartz. And I don't know actually who Delmore Schwartz was, but I love this quote. Love is the most difficult and dangerous form of courage. Courage is the most desperate, admirable, and noble kind of love. And I share this with you because it takes serious courage to live your soul's true purpose, to live authentically. I mean, almost every single client that comes to me wants to know why they're here, to live their soul's purpose and to have a meaningful life. But it is the rare individual that understands truly the amount of courage that it will take to do that, that There is no um, arrival, oh, I found my right job and now I'm going to live happily ever after. If you are truly living your life in such a way that you want to know and to live fully and passionately your soul's purpose, you will be asked to bring courage to the table every single day. And so with that courage to live your authentic self, the next thing that you need is a vehicle. And this is one of the greatest confusions today, is the distinction between the energy that is my soul's purpose and the vehicle through which I do it. For example, being a shaman is not my soul's purpose. The shaman piece is the vehicle through which I express my soul's purpose. I expressed my soul's purpose differently when I was dancing. Um, My parents expressed their soul's purpose raising me um, in their parenting that there are many, many vehicles for your soul's purpose, that your soul's purpose isn't, you know, baker, um, tailor, candlestick maker. Um, and so this, this, the work, the actual work that we do in the world is the, the means by which we work is the vehicle to carry our soul's purpose energy out into the world. And the better the vehicle, the less energy is wasted in the vehicle um, in the in the transformation, and so the energy that you put in when you go to work comes out as product, and that product is your soul's purpose. That's a good vehicle. When a vehicle takes an enormous amount of energy and you don't get to enjoy much soul's purpose coming out the other side of the day, then um, it's not a great vehicle. But there are many, many, many vehicles, and that's part of what we're wanting to find is to connect with the energy of our purpose and then to find a vehicle that is appropriate for bringing that purpose out into the world. So from a shamanic perspective, then, 
what is important once we, we connect with the energy of our purpose. We don't have to be able to name it. We just need to feel it. And what we feel is passion. And what we feel is a passion that wakes up whenever anybody starts talking about that thing that you, that you feel that passion about. It doesn't matter how tired or exhausted you are. If that becomes the thing that everyone is focused on, you're, you're animated by the passion you have for that thing, whatever it is. That's how you know that it's your soul's purpose. So to then support the manifestation of the soul's purpose in the world, we need archetypal energies to support us. And these are the archetypes that are, I mean, I guess you could organize all the vehicles for expressing a soul's purpose that humans have access to probably into these four groups. And so there are healing vehicles. There are teaching, leading vehicles. There are warrior, spiritual warriorship vehicles, and there are um, visionary or seer vehicles. And what's interesting is that most of us kind of wake up into, oh, my, I need to be conscious in my life. Hmm, let me wake up here. And we're usually pretty comfortable in one of those archetypal areas. We're usually deeply uncomfortable in one of the other archetypal areas and kind of somewhere in between the two and two other archetypal areas. And so the path for me with students is to bring them into the cycle of transformation where they are asked to engage shamanically with each of these four archetypes to heal whatever is in the way, to release what needs to be released, to receive what needs to be received, to be able to be in good relationship with that archetypal energy. And what that, what good relationship in this context means is that when the moment I am in calls for healing energy, the healer archetypal energy flows through me unimpeded and it guides me in what to do. Same thing. If the moment calls teacher, the teacher energy flows through me unimpeded and it guides me in what to do. So this is what we're looking for, to be able to be in that place with these four archetypal energies. But most of us have some pretty serious biases about these different energies. I personally was abused by almost every teacher I ever had. So as I came awake in my life, I had lots of issues around the teacher energy. So the teacher energy would try to flow through me because that's what the moment in front of me was asking for. It would hit my own unresolved issues and go sideways. And what energy, especially powerful archetypal energies going sideways means is that it's coming out in shadow. So you have powerful archetypal energy moving now in the world through shadow because you were not a clear vessel. And and everybody, you know, take a deep breath. Most of us aren't, especially when we wake up into our life. And in the training that I do with people, it takes four years just to grasp what it really takes to clear ourselves in these four aspects of archetypal energy. So, you know... Nobody should be judging themselves at all right now. It's a process, but it's a process well worthy of your time and energy because it's going to allow you to truly learn to get out of your way so that your passion can move through your body, animate you so you know where your soul's purpose is, you find the good vehicles to live it, and you step up and do it. And in doing that, begin then to find the way to create balance and wholeness and well-being in your life. So... The healer, then, is bringing us into the energy um, of love. 
that the real power of the healer energy in the heart is the power of love, and the healer brings the full heart. Now, we are, don't get all, you know, human and emotional now about this. What we're really looking at is the power of love that connects all things, the power of love that asks you to live yourself so fully you are willing to let whatever no longer serves you die. Because the ally with the healer energy is death in shamanism. And that is completely different relationship in contemporary allopathic medicine with death. But in shamanic practices, the healer stands right next to death in their healing work, understanding that essentially the shamanic perspective of someone healing is that the person who held the energy that held the illness dies. And the person who can hold the energy of well-being is reborn through the ritual process. And so this is an aspect of shamanic healing that's a very different way of thinking about healing. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's a very different way to look at it, that we are, we are looking then in our shamanic work with the healer to begin to intentionally welcome in death as an ally. And so what does that look like? That looks like greeting each morning with the question, what would I do today if I knew I was going to die tomorrow? And to begin to choose what you are and are not going to spend your time on based on whether or not you'd bother to do it if you knew you were going to die tomorrow. And to, to, to allow the fact of your mortality not to depress you and to throw you into denial and to have you run around acting like it's never going to happen, but which is, you know, a good portion of our culture is driven in that way, but to truly embrace death as that archetypal energy that invites us to live fully in every moment. And the fullest life we can live in any moment is that expression of our soul's purpose coming straight out of our passion. And so love then, um, the love of the healer then, is the energy that is creating the context that holds us internally and says, get up and live. Let this old way of being go. You've done it. It's beautiful, but it's done. Move along. This is the... Um, energy then of the healer and when the healer energy goes into shadow which I was talking about earlier when the healer energy moves into shadow it moves through us and we act out then in patterns of the martyr or the addict and there probably isn't anybody listening who can sit there and say well I have absolutely no addictions we live in America and it is one of our greatest commodities is our capacity to turn anything into an addiction and the reason for this is our healer energy is so deeply shoved into shadow. We are so afraid to love. And this is all that shamanism is really asking of us, is to step into our true nature, which is the wisdom of the heart. It's part of our true nature. It's one of the four wisdoms that we have to step into the heart. You've got one. You might as well not be afraid to use it. And to be willing to move in a wholehearted way in your life and to listen to yourself when you hear yourself saying, 
oh, well, I guess that has to be me. I guess I'm the one who'll stay late at work. I guess I'm the one who has to give up my time at the gym. And listen to the martyr speaking and recognize this is where I'm chickening out of love. I'm chickening out of love when I'm being a martyr. When we're being addictive, we're chickening out of love. What are we thinking? And so the work then through the shamanic process is how to bring in the wisdom of the healer and the wisdom of death to help us look at the dynamics that lock us into these old patterns of martyr and these old patterns of addict so that we can come back to this place in our heart where we can be full-hearted about what we do, which is what death is asking us. If you knew you were going to die tomorrow, what would you be doing today? Where are you full-hearted? And why are you bothering to do anything in your life that you don't feel full-hearted about? That's the conversation we have with the healer and with death. So, this is the shadow work that the healer helps us to do in the cycle of transformation work that Last Mass offers. So we are going on break. You are welcome to send me an email with questions or give me a call. The email address again is christina at lastmasscenter.org. And if you want a whole bunch more information about all of these teachings, you can go to the website at lastmasscenter.org. Thank you all for being with me here today. And we'll come back with more about the life processes of the healer in the next section. Welcome back, everyone. As we forge ahead here talking about the energy of the healer, um, I would like to thank first um, Angelus Arian. Um, she is a, um, a wonderful teacher and writer and storyteller. And her, the book in particular that is um, connected to much of what I'm talking about here today is called The Fourfold Way. And her name again, well, you can go to her website, which is www.angelusarien.com. And um, I'd also like everybody to remember that um, much of the shamanic healing that could help you with these issues we're talking about can be done long distance and that you can um, learn to do many of these things yourself using shamanic skills in your own life, and that has nothing to do with you becoming a shaman. So the shamanic skills are available for you simply to become a spiritual adult in your life. You don't need to want to be a shaman. And so it's important to understand that the shamanic healing and the shamanic skill set is available for everyday ordinary people who simply want to live the life they've come here to live. And it helps for a human to do that, to have the shamanic skill set. So I have another quote for you here today by Alva Simon. Death is only one of many ways to lose your life. The dangers of not doing what you perceive as your destiny are greater than anything else. Let me read that again. Death is only one of many ways to lose your life. The dangers of not doing what you perceive as your destiny are greater than anything else. So the, how can the healer help us then to, to live our destiny and to not die while we're living, to spend a whole life that's dead? We want to live our destiny and live it fully and passionately. And this is what the healer with its dynamic with death helps us to do. And the healer isn't just helping us with shadow issues and our, our various addictions to, a, a, to intensity, whether that's relationship or sex or working out at the gym or, you know, extreme sports or too many coffees or whatever it is, you know, whatever. It's all addiction to intensity. 
And what the addiction to intensity is replacing for us is our courage to step into the fullness of our love. Um, So, what the healer has to offer us then is that the healer presides over um, the life processes. And what life processes are, are patterns of life experience that are happening to you all the time, over and over again, and there is nothing you can do about it. This is simply what it means to be alive. They are the processes by which our life, it, the patchwork of our life is sewn together, that, that each process is, is a piece of that fabric of the quilt that is our life. And these are simply the pieces we are dealt in this life, on this planet, in this universe. We don't, we don't really get to pick a different set. This is what we get. The healer presides over life processes. The warrior presides over life processes. And we actually even touched on that, speaking with Ed last week in the conversations about the warrior and the soul. And please remember, all of these shows are available um, with download uh, from the Voice America site or on iTunes. So please feel free to download the shows, to listen to them, to trade them with your friends. Um, so um, the warrior oversees life processes, the teacher oversees life processes, and the seer or the visionary oversees life processes. And these life processes, the more we can recognize them and understand that this is what we're doing, that's what, this is what's happening in our life right now, the more we can participate fully in that life process, the more complete that process will be in, in transforming us or delivering us to wherever that process takes us. And the more we will not do what most of us do is we get into a life process and we panic and we bail. We do our best to not complete the process, and so the process simply starts over again and escalates usually. There's no way out of life processes, folks. So what shamanism realized, what, what, what shamanic teachings are based on is the recognition, oh, these life processes are happening. There's no way we as humans are going to get out of this. So let's participate. Let's participate fully. It's kind of like the difference between if you've ever whitewater rafted. It's much easier and less um, bruise-inducing to get down the Colorado River, for example, in the raft than it is floating free and being dashed against the rocks as you go down the river. So the point is, you're human. You're in the river. There isn't an option. You're in the river. The question is, would you like to go down the river in a nice rubber raft with a guide, or are you going to just just get bashed on the rocks willy-nilly? And so the archetypal energies, the healer, the warrior, the visionary, and the teacher, help help us to create our raft so that we can get down the river and maybe even enjoy the adventure and have some fun along the way instead of just being crashed and slammed and drowned and, and bruised and beaten. So um, the life processes then of the healer are life, birth, rebirth, that energy of springtime, which I don't know where you all are, but I'm in Portland, Oregon, and it's already happening, and it's beautiful. So that energy of the new, the new coming in, and for us as humans, we're living, we're maxed out, we're all functioning at 100%. That doesn't necessarily mean it's good. It just means we're operating. All of our systems are operating, doing something. Some of it may be unconscious, but we're doing something. 
also these energies then, the other aspect of the life process of the healer is to deal with these energies that no longer serve us, places where we're living fully, but it's not contributing to the greater path towards our authenticity. These energies need to die. And so the second life process of the healer is death. What in you needs to die today so that you can live more fully tomorrow? And how do you kill it? How do you bring death? How do you bring the grace of death to the things you have created in your life that no longer serve your conscious movement towards a life living your soul's purpose? It's one of the most powerful gifts that the healer offers us. And in shamanism, it's very important because it is the ego death that is the function around which the initiation happens that brings a person into shamanism. So this relationship with the healer and death and initiation through ego death is a, is a huge theme in shamanism. But it's a theme in humans, period, not just shamans. So the third um, life process of the healer is faith. And it doesn't matter what you have faith in from a shamanic perspective. What matters is that you are internally organized in such a way that you have the capacity for faith. That when you need faith, it's there to call on. And that is a little tricky issue, I think, for many contemporary people because our faith is so wrapped up in religion. And we need, which is fine if your religion has succeeded in, in, in cultivating faith for you. The issue is for those people who it did not succeed to cultivate faith and where are they going to find it? And that is the important thing, I think, in the working relationship with even one helping spirit is that a person, no matter how damaged they are by their religious experience, can reclaim their capacity for faith from that life experience through a relationship with their helping spirits because they have direct connection to divine energy and that that faith can be renewed and reborn. And that is the beauty of faith, of course, is that the process of growing stronger in faith is that you lose it and you have to find it again and that you go from blind faith to faith you've earned, and on and on, cultivating a stronger and stronger faith. And why do we need faith? Because if we're going to go from what we have been doing into the unknown to something that's new that we haven't done yet, there is a gap we have to cross between what we know and what we don't know. And the only thing that gets us across that gap is faith. Because it's not logical. Your brain is not going to help you there. And your love is not going to help you there. What you need is faith. The faith that I can step into the void. It's the scene in Indiana Jones where Harrison Ford steps out into the, into the void and the little bridge is there. That's faith. And the final life process of the healer, as we come up on our next break already, is um, the, the life process, which is the act of asking for help. And everyone always thinks, looks at me sideways when I say that because it doesn't seem like life and death and birth and, and faith and then asking for help. But what asking for help does is it shapes a kind of empowered humility within us where we're able to surrender and let go. To ask a question, to, to frame the question and ask for help is an act of empowered humility and surrender. And in that state of grace, things can happen 
that couldn't happen when you were unwilling to ask the question, either because you couldn't figure out the question on one hand, or what is more common for us, I don't know why, but what is very common for us as contemporary Americans, which is we simply do not ask for help. And to frame the question and ask for help is a critical aspect of engaging all shamanic practices. Because they move through divination. They move through relationship with spirit, which is question-driven. So those are the life processes of the healer. And when we come back from this break, we'll talk about how those things work together in the four chambers of the heart. So thank you all for being with me here today and talking about the healer and talking about what it takes to live with a courageous heart. Welcome back, everyone. So in our final segment, we're going to talk um, more about the healer. And and so as we access this teaching of the healer and work with the healer in death to help us to live authentically in our lives, um, at Last Mass Center, that work is a workshop called Masks of Illusion and the Authentic Self. And there are no prerequisites for that workshop. If this what we're talking about today feels exactly like what you need right now in your life, then that is the workshop for you. So in these workshops, in, in the shamanic teachings that we offer, love, the kind of love we're talking about here today, stands at the center of everything. And at the core of the teachings is a practice of, with the four-chambered heart. And what this practice does, it's another skill set that's under the purview of the healer, is it gives us access to the powers of the heart. And again, those powers are love, love in motion or power, wisdom and vision. And uh, these are the energies of the heart that we need to be able to call on continuously throughout the day to be able to understand what is necessary to live our soul's purpose, to live authentically. Now, yes, it's perfectly fine for us to occasionally go for a great big tune-up to some person who is a really powerful divine, diviner or channel or gifted astrologer or whatever it is, the means by which they may give you guidance in your life. But the bottom line is they're not there every day. And every day you are asking questions to guide you in your life towards a more authentic, passionate life that is an expression of your soul's purpose. And so... Without working on the chambers of the heart, we lose this full access to love and power and wisdom and vision that is ours. It's right there for us through our heart, through the way that our heart then connects to the greater energy of all things. So the, the kinds of things, so what we're looking at here then is the kinds of things that the healer and death help us to clear out of our life so that we can have access to the powers of the four chambers of the heart. And very specifically, we need to understand that the stories we tell ourselves program us. And I'm certainly not the only person on the Seventh Wave Network telling you that. I mean, I think probably everybody on the Seventh Wave Network is telling you that. And a bazillion books out there and a whole bunch of teachers are telling you that. This is not news. The stories we tell ourselves program us. And it is these stories that the healer and death can help us to bring death to and rebirth to new stories. So what I mean by stories is, you know, what are the stories you tell yourself about how you got hurt in your childhood, either by your parents or your teachers or your priests or whoever it was that was in authority, your siblings? Um, these are stories. 
and I don't mean no disrespect for your story, but your story is an explanation. It is not an excuse to not live your soul's purpose. It's simply an explanation for why you are where you are in this moment. But the healer and death are with you. They are ready at any moment that you choose to give up that story. The stories, the other kinds of stories that um, the healer and death help us to clear out of our lives, is our, our, whatever our big story of our wounded child is. We carry, in America, we carry a big story. I call it the big lie. And that is the story that I am separate, that I am separate from God, that I am separate Spirit is separate from matter, that I am separate from you, that there is some separation. And yet shamanism teaches us that all things are connected. And this is the deeper knowing that resonates in our heart. And so that's another story that programs us, that programs us through this idea of separation, to be alone, to be lonely, to generate isolation in our life. The healer and death are happy to step up at any moment when you are ready to let that story go and change the quality of your life by not allowing that story to program your life anymore and open up to a new story. There is a big, big story, big complex interwoven story that we work with in the four years of the cycle of transformation to get at, which is a whole big story called your false self. And the false self is essentially the entire person you learn to be to survive that protects you from being your authentic self. Because most of us got some flack and negative judgment when we started being authentic as children. And so we developed this whole other way to be. And it doesn't matter whether it was the good boy or the bad, go- bad boy. It doesn't matter whether you're rebelling or, or doing what everybody told you. The point is you're still reacting and not living authentically. And so the false self then is a huge story that we need the healer and death to help us to release. And the important thing to understand about this work, which is what I love about the simplicity of it with these archetypes, is as the archetypal energies help us to drop these stories, death comes in and helps us to kill off that story that no longer serves us. And we open up to say, well, what do I do instead? The archetypal energies are right there. What you do instead is heal. What you do instead is teach. What you do instead is see your vision. What you do instead is act as a warrior and step up and do what it takes to live the life you've come here to live. We don't need all of these little personal human stories. We can be vehicles for these archetypal energies that move. They're like pure program. They're like good code. They're good, good code that aligns us with the true energies of the universe of which we are part. So our true nature then is connected in to the big nature in which we live. So the the great opportunity then with the healer and death is to surrender our stories, to humble ourselves, to ask for help, to surrender the stories that keep us small, that keep us isolated, that keep us false, that keep us out of our authenticity, and to allow the beauty of the pure energies to move through us through our shamanic practices so that we can work with the wisdom of all four bodies, the heart, the mind, the spirit, the physical body, and bring all those wisdoms to bear in the life task, which is living your soul's purpose. So all these things I've talked about today are not out of your reach. This is what Last Mass Center is teaching every day. 
and they are not available just if you want to grow up and be a shaman. They are available for grown-ups who want to be spiritual adults, for people who want to live their soul's purpose. So they are accessible to everyone, and they are there for anyone who wants to be fully and completely human. So this show that we just listened to about the courageous heart, the the healer energy in the courageous heart, were these four shows actually that we're about to re-listen to from the context of the wisdom bodies. These shows were all recorded at a time when I actually couldn't figure out how to make the Voice America agreement work. And I thought I was actually doing my last shows. And so I was really trying to share with the world, you know, what we're doing in the cycle teachings. And so I, I bring that up only to point out that that this idea, whether we think of it as the courageous heart work and working in the cycle teachings or awakening our wisdom bodies, which are two ways to talk about the same things, the point that I want to make is that the wisdom body is a huge body of wisdom, right? It's not like there's a journey you can do to awaken it or one ritual or one simple thing. This is not a simplistic idea. The The point that um, my helping spirits have made to me through shamanism that the logic and the entire realm we access through the emotional body is every bit as, as large and complex and beautiful and um, helpful as the mental body and the same with the spiritual body and the physical body. And so it takes for us as contemporary people, we have to find our way in, grow aware of it. We have to heal what's in the way of us being willing to actually open up to this kind of wisdom. And then we have to learn the skills that are part of how we learn to hear, in a sense, the wisdom of this wisdom body. And so what I'd like to talk about today then um, relative to the beginning of this show, which talked about all the many facets of the wisdom of the physical body. There are many, many facets we just explored through the archetypes and the shadows and all of that. And so now I'd like to just talk about how, how do you begin to engage the physical, the wisdom of the physical body. You know, as I said, it's a world unto itself. Every bit as vast and complex and intricately interconnected as the mental wisdom body. And the physical wisdom body is elegant in its complexity, just like ecosystems and sacred geometry. The physical body carries the great beauty of our manifest world. So how do we engage this physical wisdom body? My most complete answer to you would be join us for Mass Evolution. And I know that's very self-promoting, but I'm being honest that I believe if you truly are a person who wants full access to all of your wisdom bodies and to bring that wisdom to bear in how you choose to live your life, that's the whole purpose really of the cycle teachings. And so Mass Evolution, the first part, which is about the wisdom of the physical body, um, the healer energy, starts this June, June 7th through 12th on Woodby Island up in Washington, and you can register through the Last Mask Center website now. And there are many shows about the whole cycle teachings, but the point of the physical body wisdom is that it's a big world, and our guides to engage in the wisdom, learning the wisdom of the physical body are the healer, archetypal energy, and death as an archetypal energy. And so the true code of the healer 
is the knowledge of how to live well. Now, when we, we fail to live well, we end up needing to heal. And so, of course, the healer has that information as well. But the actual true code of the healer is how do we live well? And so it informs us emotionally, mentally, and spiritually as well. There's, there's a great wisdom coming out of the physical body about how to be here in a good way. We are not purely spirit beings. We are not purely emotional beings. We are certainly not purely mental beings. We are physical beings. And that being manifest here in form in this great web of life is profoundly important. And there's an art to living. There's an art to living well. And so the true wisdom of the physical body is how to master that art of living well in in your physical form. And this has a beauty and an elegance um, like any healthy ecosystem or any other um, physical manifestation in the world around us that is healthy. And um, it's all about um, the constant balance and flow of many variables. Okay, so the true code of death then in helping us to master the wisdom of the physical body is to surrender the stories that keep us small. Uh, those that keep us isolated and those that keep us in our false self and out of alignment with our authenticity. And so when the wisdom of the physical body is allowed to flow, we become the vessel that we were meant to be for our own unique genius. And that becomes the context that brings the rest of the energies of our life into um, perspective is that that we are here as a vessel for our own unique genius to flow through out into the world and we want to express that in the world through the wisdom of these four bodies and so the physical body is where all of these wisdoms balance come into balance um, work together flow together work out their interconnected relationship that then supports living well Okay, so how do we begin to engage the wisdom of the physical body? Like, where would you start? If you're not going to come join me at Massive Illusion, where would you start? Well, last month, we did a series on um, energy body hygiene. That is a good place to start because your energy body hygiene is part of your physical body wisdom. And if you've got terrible energy body hygiene, you're going to struggle in your physical life. Um, another really important place to begin to engage the wisdom of the physical body is to start by repairing your relationship with nature. And there are many, many ways you could do that if you have a shamanic practice or at least know how to journey. You could journey and ask your helping spirits how you would begin to do that. Um, but the part of the manifestation of health in the physical world is actually to be in the physical world in a healthy way. And part of that, a deep, deep resonant aspect of that is to make sure you're in deeply good relationship with nature and the earth um, and that you're contributing to the balance and health of the environments in which you um, exist. Um, you could work with and ultimately express and release the emotional patterns that keep you from connecting with the natural world or the earth. Some people carry a somewhat over overexpanded fear of the natural world. Other people that consider themselves empaths, when I'm not sure this is actually true in this case, but people who perceive that they are feeling the pain of the earth. 
And what's very likely is that the pain that they perceive of as being the earth's pain is actually just a reflection of their own emotional pain and that they need to, um, as they clear their own emotional pain, the physical world around us, of course, is freed from the need to reflect that back to us. So clearing and releasing your own emotional patterns that keep you in a problematic relationship with nature, with the earth, and with your own body would help. You can begin to engage the wisdom of the physical body by creating an imaginary relationship with the earth. In other words, in shamanic language, you start to work with the spirit of the earth as an earth spirit, not as an anthropomorphized human being, but to really begin to move out of your um, limitations and expectations as a human and being able to tune into the earth as it is a vast cosmic energy. And to learn from the earth her dreaming that brought life to the planet and how you can better align yourself with that dreaming. There are many, many physical practices you could engage in that would engage in that would help you to engage the wisdom of the physical body. And by those by that I mean the old ones. Um yogic practices, um, qigong tai chi practices, different dance disciplines. There's ecstatic dance disciplines and um, five rhythms dance disciplines, many different dance um, practices that can help you begin to um, tune into the wisdom of the physical body. So trance dancing and trance stances, for example, are not necessarily going to help you to tune into the wisdom of your physical body because they're designed to send you into trance. I'm not saying they're bad things to do. I'm just saying they're not necessarily going to be great vehicles to help you to engage the wisdom of the physical body. And then finally, the physical activity that allows you to pay more attention to your relationship with your body than your relationship with your mind. So doing the kinds of things they're usually aerobic activities that put you into um kind of a i consider it a more lucid relationship with ourselves we tend to get out of our thinking mind and and through the breathing and the sweating and the repetition and the rhythm of the whole thing we move into um, a somewhat more internal relationship with our own inner awareness we kind of click into the zone of whatever that activity we're doing physically and it puts us into a little bit of an altered state but it tends to be altered internally not externally like um like a journey or a trance so those are just six possibilities of where you could potentially begin to start to become aware of your physical body as its own body of wisdom and begin to pay attention um A couple more would be there's a clearing practice that I talk about all the time on the show and I offer that regularly here in Portland. The next class is in April and so learning to do an emotional clearing practice can begin to free up your physical body from carrying your past drama and unresolved issues and begin to speak to you authentically and in the moment. Um, Another aspect of changing uh, or connecting, beginning to connect to our, the wisdom of our physical body is to change your relationship with time, to stand at the end of your life with death. Remember, death is part of what guides us in this. Stand at the end of your life and look back at your life, your literal life. What did it stand for? Are you happy with that? Does the life you have lived to this date stand for, does it 
communicate to others? Does it teach others? Does it model for others those things that you value? And if not, change that. It's another way to begin to connect to the wisdom of the physical body. Um, And you could work with your helping spirits to find out step by step, how do you realign your life so that your life begins to be the living expression of those things that have value and meaning. And so um, the important thing is that you learn to notice that you're out of good relationship with your body and its wisdom and that you are willing to change that situation and that you're willing to do whatever it takes to change that situation. So for a lot of people, changing the situation requires changing their food that they eat. And it's amazing how many people refuse to stop eating the same food they've been eating for decades for their health, for the wisdom, for their health and well-being. It's like you haven't had enough Mars bars by now to be willing to not have anymore. You know, it's kind of crazy, right? And and so ultimately, to change the situation, do whatever it takes to make that change stick and to follow the path that the health of the physical body lays out to bring yourself back into well-being. And that's really the essence of connecting with the wisdom body. So for those of you that like to, would like to work on... Um, a kind of a meditation or a visualization for this, I would suggest that you begin with your conscious awareness in your root chakra, your lowest chakra, in your, deep in your pelvis. And you allow your own creative symbolic language to give you a visualization for that root chakra. For some, it will be more physical, like a big cave or something like that. Or others, it will be more energetic, like a big red ball. But the point is that you create a sense of being able to have your consciousness in your root chakra. And once you found the symbolic language for that, for that visualization that works for you, back when we talked last month about finding grounding visualizations that literally work for you, right? So from the root chakra, begin to extend using the symbolic language that's working for you in your visualization to extend the roots of the root chakra into the earth. So you begin to cultivate a deep and robust relationship between your own root chakra and the earth itself. Once you've established that, you know, for some of you that could take a month. I don't know. But once you've established that, then you want to return to the center of the root chakra and really imagine a ball of chi, ball of energy um, that is kind of pulsing with your breath up and down, you know, kind of in and out with your breath. The ball of chi is pulsing. It should probably start at least as big as a golf ball, but you may have to work to get it that big. But you want it to be at least a golf ball size, maybe softball size. And once you've got that ball of chi in its place in your root chakra, you can work with affirmations to see what that creates for you. How does the energy shift or change? What parts of yourself begin to jibber-jabber in your mind as you say things clearly like, I am alive. I am safe. I have a right to be here now. I choose to take space. These are all root chakra affirmations. And you want to be able to speak these um, statements out loud so your heart can hear it out loud and be able to stay completely present and rooted and grounded in your root chakra. 
And so as you, you so your ball of chi can stay vital and robust as you make these statements, the ball of chi and the root chakra is connected out to the earth and you're able to feel the relationship between the greater earth and you, the greater earth and you. And when you feel ready, then you can then travel up from the root chakra into the second chakra, into the garden of the second chakra, into the fountain, and find yourself there, uh, present. So that's just the beginning of the physical body, beginning meditation here in the root chakra. So I'd like to thank you all for expanding um, on an earlier show and coming to understand um, the wisdom of the physical body um, in, in this context. And I want to give thanks for all of the ancestors and the helping spirits that have um, brought this information into my life through my shamanic work. Give gratitude for your presence, gratitude to the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites all of us. I want to remind you all that Why Shamanism Now is listener supported, which means people all over the world donate what they can, large and small, um, to help me to keep the show on the air and to keep the archives, which are now moving towards 400 hours of podcasts, to keep that information free and available to anyone who can get onto the internet. So I want to give special thanks to Jose and Esteban, Camilla, Esther, Susan, Teresa, and Anne Madeline. And all of the listeners who are able to donate. You can go to whyshamanismnow.com, scroll down to the support button and don't any amount, donate any amount, large or small. And I also want to give thanks to those of you that are finding many other ways to support the show, to help it grow, and to be strong. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week. <music>